But now we're going to check in with the most recent recipient of the PGA of America Lifetime Achievement Award in Journalism, Mr. Ron Green Jr. Ron, welcome back into the golf shop. Morning, Ron. Good good morning. How's everybody? Good, man. Congratulations, Ron. That is so good, man. Well, <clears throat> thank you. I, uh, as I keep telling people, I don't feel old enough to get a Lifetime Achievement uh, award in anything, but uh, I'll take it. It was totally unexpected, and uh, but very, uh, you know, flattering. And uh, you know, it's a nice to have your name on a list that includes, you know, some of the best ones ever. I don't know that I belong in that, but uh, somebody else decided to put me there, so I'm very happy about it. That's awesome. And you're the only father-son duo that's that's uh, received that award. Your father got that. Uh, what? 20, 20 something years ago, Ron? Yeah. He got it, uh, yeah, 2006 or seven. Yeah, right. Uh, which was a great thing. Uh, mostly memorable because, hey, he won it. And uh, the night of our golf writers award where you get it in Augusta, David Faraday was the host. So it was oh, wow. Yeah. Pretty rollicking evening there. Yeah, and, sure. uh, but yeah, it was nice. And he was very excited for me when I found out and told him. And uh, so he, he related the story that when he won, 15, 18 years ago, Furman Fisher told him that's like winning the World Series for us. Wow. So I'll yeah. take that. Yeah. And as an, well, good- as an Atlanta native, I know who who Furman Fisher was. And so, yeah, <laughs> I get it, man. Yeah, Furman Fisher was, I think, my dad's first sports editor back, at, really? back in the days of afternoon newspapers at the Charlotte News. Furman Fisher no and my dad the same stuff. Wow. Wow. Ahead, well, Ron. the good news, Ron, is that uh, when you have your when you receive the award on April fifth at the Golf Writers Association of America Spring Dinner in Augusta, Georgia, that dinner will be much less awkward than the Champions Dinner coming up with uh, live players in it. So you got that going for you, <laughs> which is yeah, nice. it should be. Uh, it will be, uh, and I have promised this. Traditionally, has always been the last award of a sadly a little longer than it needs to be evening and. Uh, you know, some guys have gotten up there and taken their sweet time. I have promised now it's going to be at the midpoint of the evening. I've promised to keep it brief. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I think uh, as, as nice as this has been, it will be nice to have the speaking part out of out of the way uh, that Wednesday evening. But, uh, uh, yeah, the Champions Dinner, uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing, will be just fine. Yeah. The, they might have an, an, a second room for some guys, but other than that, it'll be just fine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right, and, so and like you said, Ron, Ron, less is more. So yeah, good, yeah, good for you, man. Over the years, Ron, um, obviously you've covered a lot of different sporting events, starting out with the Charlotte Observer, but uh, you know now with Global Golf Post for eleven years. You've pretty much covered it all. What's probably been the most electrifying event that you had the opportunity to cover? No, that's a good one. Uh, I mean, because I'm old enough, I mean, I started back, you know, back in the 70s working at the Chapel Hill newspaper. Then I was in Greenville, South Carolina, back in the Danny Ford days. And then, uh, I don't know, uh, 1982, when Michael Jordan hit the shot to beat Georgetown and sit in front row courtside for that one was, was a pretty big one because of what it meant at the time. And North Perth and Dean Smith had won. Um, seeing Tiger in 90-whatever-it-was-seven at Augusta, seeing Jack in 1986 at Augusta, those those sort of leap to mind as yeah. just remarkable you know moments that just 
you know, I remember both cases walking out to the 18th green at Augusta on Sunday, even though I knew I couldn't get right around there to see the actual uh, final putt or whatever. I just wanted to sort of be there and feel it and hear it. Yeah. And uh, I did the same thing when Tiger won the last one. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, those moments with you. I mean, I just, you know, I'm still old school enough. I've been in the evenings down here at the Players' Championship watching the ACC tournament and sort of feeling the tug of having been to, you know, I think, I went to 33 in a row of those or something, wow. and uh, sort of missing that. But uh, uh, this is not a bad place to be in Ponte uh, <laughs> Not at all. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah. So you know, on the flip side of that, what has probably been the most from a, from a from an athlete's perspective? You know, like you said, you see Jordan make that that shot, and then we know the significance of that now. I mean, where Jordan's career went after that, all, all of the things that he accomplished, what's kind of the flip side of that is that, you know, the heartbreak that you may have seen from somebody, uh, you know, we, we saw a little bit of that, you know, previously, and we see that at the, the players championship is a great theater for that because you can come to the 17th hole at the players leading the golf tournament and you can lead it, leave the 17th hole, not even in the top 20. So what might be the most heartbreaking moment that you've had a front front row seat for that you can remember? Yeah, that's good. Uh, um, I remember thinking it was going to be Duke losing to Kentucky that year in Philadelphia until Christian Leitner hit that shot. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I was thinking, oh, all this build up and then it's not going to happen. <clears throat> uh, I remember being Gordon Spieth come apart at Augusta. That one in Roy, mm, yeah. the way they came apart on the back nines. I remember normally I walked the front nine on Sunday at Augusta and then you sort of end up in the media center because, you know, usually the tournament's happening on two or three holes, so it's hard to <clears throat> know where the right spot is. But I kept, <clears throat> sorry, my allergies. Uh, I kept going walking with Jordan as he's playing the back nine and all of a sudden, you know, he starts, he starts leaking oil on 10 and 11 and stand down there on 12 and just, when he's made whatever he made there and sort of kicked the tournament away, just sort of quietly walking up the hill with some, a friend of mine and just like, mm. what just happened here? Yeah. And you, you're sort of, you know, that was one. I mean, when Norman kicked it away too, yeah. and Faldo shot whatever, 67 on Sunday, uh, and I think 96 or whatever. And that was, there was such a strange sort of pall over Augusta that day. I mean, Greg Norman was seen as a different, person those days. I mean it was obviously happened and it you know it came apart then. Now uh he's the way Greg Norman is viewed now is, is slightly different, I, I would say. Yes. Just slightly, Ron. <laughs> Speaking of that, did we, we 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 start the show with questions and answers. And our first question was, you know, are the designated events working? And so <clears throat> my answer to that was yes, it's working. But if you don't think that this is a, sort of a reaction to live, uh, as far as the purse and the prize money is concerned, I think you're fooling yourself. Do you agree with that, Ron? Yeah, I think the designated events have been spectacular so far. It's funny here, the biggest event of the PGA Tours, you know, that they own and operate. I mean, yeah. is, uh, has a leaderboard at least halfway through that is probably a little shy of stars. There's a lot of guys you've got to kind of go figure out who's Adam Svensson and, uh, you know, uh, who's Chad Ramey and all that. So, I mean, we still have a long way to go with that. So, uh, but I think the designated events are, are working great. I think what they have created for next year is, is 
going to be terrific. It's going to be an adjustment. It's going to change some things, and there might be some parts we miss, but I think it, it is sort of the rising tide lift all boats uh, mentality. I, yeah, I mean, is, is it a reaction to lift? Absolutely. I mean, Rory said that. Yeah. Some of this, some of the money part was coming, not to this level. I mean, right. But the new media rights deal was kicking in, and there were some things already been talked about down the line as, as the money sort of came in. But, you know, this this was really dramatic. I mean, what are we, March? I mean, if you go back 14 months ago, nobody envisioned Mm-mm. where the tour is going to be, whatever, mm-hmm. nine months from now when it starts its first full calendar season again in January. But uh, I think it was necessary, and I think it was, you know, I don't know if you say imaginative, but it, it took some things. Uh, it's continued to be refined, and I think it will be refined even more uh, as they sort of let it play out. I mean, they they still sort of written this more in pencil than in ink, but uh, I like where they're going. Yeah, I mean, uh, from a writer's perspective, somebody who's covering golf, I mean, you have to go, man, this is going to be great. I get, uh, I, you know, I get an 80-player field, and the top players are going to play all four rounds in X number of events next year. So it's, you know, there's always going to be a story there. And like I said earlier, I mean, Bobby Jones, the great Bobby Jones was the the one that always said that he he appreciated the 10-shot rule because he always felt like that the great players could come from 10 shots back and win a golf tournament. So we're going to see that put to the test next year. Yeah, and I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, this year they're mandated the top 20 guys in the uh, program are mandated to play all but one of the designated events. Next year, there's no mandate. If they don't want to play any of them, they don't have to play them. Right. They obviously are because uh, they love the fact of limited fields and super giant purses, so it, it makes perfect sense to them. But you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. Some of that is like this year. I mean, they've got it crowded where with Wells Fargo, you know, yeah. I mean, I, Jordan Spieth and Scotty Scheffler, I would say, are iffy at best to play Wells Fargo. I mean, John Rahm's not playing Wells Fargo. That's going to be his one-off designated event that he's not going to play. So I think they're trying to structure so guys can still play places they like. Like a Patrick Cantley loves to play Harbor Town. Yeah, may not want to play a whole bunch in a row. Uh, you know, Rory's always going to play Quail Hollow because he loves the place. Um, I think, and I, I like the whole. You know, the cadence, it sort of got Honda this year, although it turned into a great tournament. But I think the uh, the way they've got, got it set up with the three tournaments that are not designated, and they're basically going to have, you know, it's going to be a mini sort of Florida swing. Like, and you're going to have those three events, and the top five players over those three events get to move into the designated event. So there, there's going to be underlying stories there. And, you know, the purses aren't going down for those no. events. So, um you know, it's going to be interesting, I think. There are going to be various kinds of cuts you have to make uh, just to qualify. So there may not be cuts to the designated events, but there'll be cuts to get there. Well, well, you know, and Mark, Mark had made a statement earlier too, Ron, and I kind of agree with this. Does the players really need to be a designated event? I mean, it's sort of a designated event without even having to have all the money. They're, they're going to show up anyway and play for whatever, and that's always been a big purse anyway, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what, $25 million this week. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think if they're going to do this, they're going to, you know, they they are going to give the players its own special distinction. I think, you know, I, I talked to Dean Beeman last week or so, who hmm. envisioned, who created the player championship right. and this golf course down here, and what it's like 40 years later to sort of 
see what it is and what it's grown into. And uh, one of the first things he says, I still can't believe it's not the fifth major. And uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think I, it has created it's its own separate category. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it doesn't have to be a major. It's, uh, I'm fortunate enough to sit on nominating committees for the World Golf Hall of Fame. Uh, and when you when they're evaluating players, I mean, they'll talk about they've won two majors, two players, and 14 PGA Tour events. So it's it's already separated yeah. out in that way, which I, I, I really like this term. I think it's uh, one of the most entertaining ones. I think the golf course is spectacular. And, uh, you know, it, it's an obviously a, a sort of a curious-looking leaderboard, at least at this point. But, uh, you know, this one, as we say every year, this one, there's no rhyme or reason to who wins right, this one. Right. Well, Ron, congratulations again on the Lifetime Achievement Award in Journalism from the PGA of America. And uh, I'm sure we'll be seeing you soon at the Wells Fargo Championship. Looking forward to it. It'll be here before we know it. Uh, pretty good swing of golf coming up here the next uh, couple months. Hope, hope everybody's hitting it better than I am. <laughs> all right at least you're hitting it so uh, right. that's the, the good part right yeah thanks a lot ron Thank have you, a ron. good one